Hi everyone. Okay, Fox here. I did a presentation for the collective school constructing the real. It's sort of an academic wing of art and labor. It's a free school. Um, you please check, come check it out. Come join us. Uh, constructingthereal.com. Um, We've been doing a um, revolutionary art class. Um, Lucia has been leading it. It's um, really fun. We're basically kind of like uh, pick a, a piece of art that we, we feel like was revolutionary. We kind of just like talk about what that means. Like what was a piece of art ever revolutionary? Why we think maybe it was or... And then we're hopefully going to like synthesize a lot of those thoughts into some sort of uh, dialectic, you know, and uh, by the end of it and, and really like kind of examine um, what it means um, for something, for a piece of art to have some sort of revolutionary potential and if it's even possible. Um, so yeah, this is about Picasso's Guernica. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it there is a a visual like slideshow component and i'll i'll link the video uh segment of that if people are interested i don't think you need it necessarily but it'll be there if you want to check out my silly little slideshow um and yeah thanks so much for supporting art and labor because of your guys's support uh, we can do fun little classes and events and keep the show rolling so um i hope you enjoy this weird little talk and thanks everybody who's in the class um for agreeing to be on the feed i i um i really enjoy our discussion and i hope everyone else does too all right let's have fun chose to talk about Picasso's Guernica. Um, uh, it's, it's very difficult for me to uh, remain singularly focused on one thing um, uh, because I, I like to trace all the, the different like influences and then what the thing influenced. Um, but I'll try to, I, I have some slides where I'm trying to really just focus on Guernica, but then um, I'm also going to talk about what Picasso was inspired by and then what um, people after Picasso were inspired by. Um, wow, I probably should have done a big trigger warning because this shows graphic depictions of massacres. Um, you can see in <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, this this is the only slide that shows um, these depictions, but it's important that we think about this in the context of Guernica. I think one thing that makes Guernica very like kind of universal is the Cubist style and how like even children, it's like you can show children and it's not like you're showing them these images in the corner, for example, you're it's it's um 
it's like enough for, to, for them to understand something very serious is being depicted, but not enough, but not enough or not going to traumatize them necessarily. Um, uh, in my opinion, anyway, maybe it is still traumatizing to some children. Um, but yeah, so, so this slide shows um, Peter Paul Rubin's Consequences of War, which was about the 30 Years War. Um, uh, there's, there's a great YouTube video I linked to the, in the end of the show um, that um, shows how like Picasso um, like directly took from this and I'll, I'll display that in the slides in a second. Um, and then this top right corner, of course, is um, Tony Schifranzi, um from the Guerrilla Art Action Group, part of the Art Workers Coalition, um, defacing, quote unquote, Guernica. They use very safe spray paint that, you know, there's a varnish, like it didn't actually do any damage. But there's something very interesting to me about directly like kind of refreshing the revolutionary potential of this work that was maybe re had a revolutionary potential during a certain war and then bringing up the revolutionary potential again in a new war. Um, and so that's one of the things that um, we're going to try to think about um, while we think about Guernica. Um, and then the other thing, the, what the coffins that I'm showing here, um, as the caption says, uh, you know, um, they were offloaded at, at of, you know, in, De in Delaware or whatever. Um, but from 1991 to 2009, the government did not permit photographing the return of service members killed in action. So we know that there's like some sort of power in depicting uh, casualties of war that needs to be controlled in some, one way or another, depending on the ruling class. Um, so that's something else to sort of think, think about um, uh, with this topic. Okay, and here we go. Okay, so yeah, here's the Peter Paul Rubens um, flipped and in black and white. And this is not me. This is like, I stole this wholesale from someone else. Um, and then here's Guernica. So you can see he's using a very similar light source, um, very similar composition, um, and then very, very similar symbols. Um, so we got this like torch of justice type thing. You know, we got women and children um, being killed. Um, Again, like women um, escaping fires, escaping, trying to escape. Um, here's the more influence from Michelangelo, maybe. Um, and then, of course, Goya. Shout out to last week's presentation about Goya. Um, so, the, yeah, it's what's compelling here to me is the vast amount of art historical knowledge that Picasso is pulling from um, while he's making Guernica. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he 
before this, I mean, I'll get into this a little more, but like before this, he didn't really consider himself that political. He was kind of like, I'm apolitical, whatever. Then he gets this commission from the Spanish Republicans to make this work. And he works on it for like three weeks. Um, and he goes through like a bunch of different ideas sort of and 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 influence and and sketches and just all sorts of stuff um uh something happens i feel like to picasso where um he changes he doesn't want to be apolitical anymore and i think that's a very interesting um thing that happens to him um so yeah here's so i am kind of jumping around a little bit um but yeah, here here's a little more about what went down um, with the Art Workers Co Coalition and the Grill Art Action Group. Um, so you can see like there's multiple um, actions that happened in front of Guernica, not just the the, the lies kill all um, defacement, but also like blowing up um, the the images from the my Lai massacre and like just like hold like holding them up in front of guernica really like putting that juxtaposition forward here is okay so here's a great quote there's like honestly if you're interested in this topic um francis uh fresina wrote um this great two-parter piece called Meyer Shapiro's Choice, My Lie, Guernica, MoMA, and the Art Left. And it's sort of about the new left and the old left in the institution fighting each other. Um, and the different board members and all of their like political affiliations and um, all sorts of stuff. So he does a really good job of like linking uh, Guernica with uh vietnam um but yeah like he says here like the painting had been commissioned by the republican government um the title ref refers to the ancient bosque capital um the german condor legion bombed uh bombed it to assist franco's um fascist cause um Guernica thus signified a particular act, bombing by foreign forces of civilians, including children and babies who were also an ethnic minority supporting the Republican coalition, um, which included socialists, anarchists, and communists during the Second World War and subsequently in its disciplinary wars, uh, primarily against communism. The US military developed the strategy of mass into saturation um, bombing to staggering proportions um its technical apotheosis being the gulf war of 1991 by the time the u.s withdrew its troops from vietnam several million tons of bombs had been dropped this was twice the total used on europe and asia in the second world war it has been estimated that there were 20 million bomb carriers in vietnam but the u.s did not just drop bombs um you know during Operation Ranch Hand, four million gallons of herbicide were dropped um, over the countryside. So there's also the famous depictions of chemical warfare happening, um, all sorts of torture 
this torture, of course, continued into the Iraq war and continues to this day. Um, so Picasso, back to Picasso. Um, here's a fun little <laughs> Lucia's laughing again. I love just seeing Lucia laughing and not hearing. Hello, Sagri. <laughs> so yes, Picasso, this quote, um, art is the lie that makes us realize the truth. Damn. Damn, son, where'd you find that? Um, <laughs> so Picasso in the 20s and uh, early 30s, like I said, was trying to remain apolitical. Um, let me just... Yes. Uh, uh, he, uh, in the 20s, attended dinners hosted by fascists. And he, of course, is famously abused many, many women in his life horrifically and horribly and was a scumbag. Um, he was commissioned by the Republicans to make Guernica. And um, in, uh, in studying more for the piece, he eventually decides to be a communist. Like I said before, sorry, I'm repeating my points here. Here's Picasso's quote. <laughs> I've become a communist because our party strives more than any other to know and build the world, to make men clearer thinkers, more free and more happy. It's another, here's another fun one. <laughs> um, a German officer asked Picasso, did you do this when he saw a photo? So Picasso was living in Nazi-occupied France, Paris. Um, and apparently the story goes that a, a Gestapo Nazi officer fucking knocked on his door and, um, this apparently happened. Um, when he saw the photo of the painting of Guernica, a painting about the effects of the German bombardment of the Spanish town of Guernica, Picasso simply responded, no, you did. So, um, that was a very like direct, like confrontation <laughs> that, Picasso was able to have with fascist occupying forces. Um, there's some sort of, you know, we'll get into it more, but at, there was a, a point at which um, Guernica itself was like banned from Spain um, when, when Franco went to power. Uh, okay. So th this might come off as a little scatterbrained. Um, it's all related. Calm down at me. Everything's fine. Um, so here's a zoom in of Guernica. Um, you can like look at it. There's like a gigapixel version of Guernica. You can zoom real, 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 like even farther than I am here. So like get a, get a sense of the texture, get a sense of the actual like colors like you can look at it infrared like it's crazy you can look at it all these different ways um but yeah this slide is about newspapers picasso read george steer's report in the new york times um which in which he was countering franco's attempts to blame the left so like when um Guernica was bombed. There's, of course, a huge disinformation campaign. Um, and Franco was trying to say that it was actually the communists who burned 
um, Guernica. It was bullshit. Um, and this reporter, this Times, the time, not just the Times, and uh, he reported for other newspapers too. He's like based in South Africa or something. Um, Guernica was not a military objective. Uh, a factory producing war material lay outside the town and was untouched. So too were the barracks some distance from the town. The town lay far behind the lines. The object of the bombardment was seemingly the demoralization of the civilian population and the destruction of the cradle of the Bosque race. Every fact bears out this appreciation beginning with the day the deed was done. So they, yeah, they were tar like they're specifically targeting civilians. Like there's no getting around that. They tried, but they like they literally like targeted civilians like in an open field for no reason. Like similar to my lie, like women, babies, like you know, um, burning them alive and uh, just horrific. Um, terrible destruction. Um, and specifically, they were trying to hit this tree that is very important to the Bosque people. Um, and um, luckily, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't kill the tree. The tree is still there. Okay, so another important part about. Um, Guernica was it was displayed at the 1937 Paris International Exhibition. Like I say, expos like this were some of the only ways international news spread. So even though the theme was technological inter innovation, Spain took it as an opportunity to gain international support. So this picture is really fucking cool because <laughs> you can see the Nazis on the left and the communists on the right. And um, which uh, which side would you be on here? <laughs> which, which, which there, there are these larger, what I like about this too is that Spain was sort of like this staging ground for this much larger international conflict. And I feel like similar proxy wars are happening today, right? What are some that come to mind for you? <laughs> for me, I think of um, Africa. I think of um, the South China Sea, I think of um, Iran, I think of Syria. Um, there, these places where much larger global superpowers can get away with war experiments and war games. And that's kind of what happened to Spain. Spain was like, you know, well, we, we will try out these bombs. We will try out these uh, methods and just see what happens and it was all like in proxy of these much larger things like is my notes here like because of course there was the 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 bosques um the net and they were nationalists but they were um it was a much it was a liberatory nationalism that was supported by the soviets and then on the F Team Franco, there was like the, the Catholics, the landowners, um, and the industrialists, and they were supported by 
um, Germany and Italy. And so I, what I like about this picture of this international meetup is like you see who who's really who's fighting and, you know, and you see France in the middle here. Um, they were like trying to remain non-interventionists. Um, but yeah, um, back to Picasso. Okay. So here's an image of um, how many people it takes to stretch the Guernica canvas. It's one canvas, it's very big. Here's what it looks like rolled up. Um, look at all these art handlers. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's extremely large. It's, um, that's like something that makes it very compelling immediately. Um, and the, and, and I think an important revolutionary aspect to Guernica is that it traveled, um, because it's not just the, the world expo, the, the world's, the, the big thing at France, um, Here's a, a picture of Guernica being hung outdoors, which I also think is very interesting. And Hita Strayel talks about this. This is from um, her essay, uh, Tank on a Pedestal, um, which I'll talk about again. But um, yeah, the, but the, the thing with the expo, the, the expo is kind of bougie. Like there's, it's like kind of like, you know, like, like it's 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 the public quote unquote but it's a, you know you know how these fucking fairs work it's it's whoever can get a ticket to go can see the thing so it's not it's not like it's like really reaching like the soup the super public at large and actually when 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 Guernica was first displayed like people didn't really like it they preferred like other stuff in the pavilion that was more like um real like realism uh they didn't really get it at first um but yeah but then when it toured um yeah so yeah people at the expo so when it was rolled up and it, it traveled it was also raising money for the spanish republic um that's an interesting aspect to a piece of revolutionary art i feel like as well that it had this specific revolutionary cause that it was raising money for wherever it went it wasn't like it was like Picasso was getting a little piece like, like he, he made this he was commissioned he got his commission and and then it was out of his hands and it was part of the Spanish Republic's like repertoire to raise money and um, raise awareness for what was happening in Spain um, yes yeah, so it was displayed outdoors and and yeah and and students from all different countries would display it like like I, I don't know. I thought it was very interesting that like, if if they couldn't stretch it, they literally would just like staple it to the wall, and it's like nobody cared, and it's like fine. It's just it, this is an educational object. Take care of it as best you can. Um, learn from it, and then goes rolls roll it up, and bring it to the next one. You know. Um, but yeah, but by the time it reached. Um, France and Britain to challenge because they, they were part of this like non-intervention committee that like Italy and Germany didn't give, give, give a shit about 
kids, you know, but um, they were still trying to like maintain. Um, but it was too late. Like it, it definitely like it did, it did like when it did reach like students in, in Britain and students in France, like they were really into it and they were like trying to support the Spanish republics, the Republicans in whatever way they could. But like, um, Spain fell to Franco. Um, and then, but then the peace you could argue became a sort of enduring symbol of resistance to Franco. Um, the photos of it, like I said, were, were made illegal. Um, and Picasso had all these stipulations, like it, so it lived at the, at the MoMA in New York for like 40 years. Um, and it wasn't allowed to return to Spain until Franco was dead. And then it had other stipulations too. I can't remember, but I think that's an interesting revolutionary aspect that like you make, you make these demands where you're like, no, it has to be this, <laughs> like it's for this cause. And, and that's reiterated in the piece over and over again in all these different ways um, that I think make it a unique potential. All right. Um, yeah. So the power of being in public, um, the rich trying to reclaim or censor Guernica. So either, either kind of absorb, reclaim it, or just censor it, keep it out. I think under Franco, it was like, censor it, get it out of here. Get it. No, not allowed. Um, but later, there's some interesting stuff that happens. So jumping ahead to here's an artist depiction of um, Colin Powell um, in 2003 um, at the UN Foreign Committee, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, so he was announcing um, the bullshit that they made up to invade the Iraq to invade Iraq. Um, and part of that announcement, um, they covered Guernica with the big curtain. So that's what this artist depiction is, is all of the like war criminals, like covering Guernica. I just love it. I wish I had the real resolution. So yeah, here's from 2003. Uh, Guernica cover-up raises suspicions. Uh, as Secretary of State Colin Powell presented evidence to help UN ambassadors decide whether or not to go to war against Iraq, there was one important thing they did not see, Pablo Picasso's Guernica. Because could you imagine the optics of, hey, we're going to war, and there's this big <laughs> depiction of <laughs> war behind him. Yeah. Okay. And then check this out. February 2021 um, tapestry replica of Picasso's anti-war masterpiece Guernica removed from United Nations headquarters after 35 years. Oh, I failed to mention that. Yeah, the, the, the Guernica in the UN is a tapestry replica that Rockefeller had commissioned um, because um, Picasso refused to to sell it to him or like, like, you know, uh, so he had like five. Oh, I got five. Okay. I'm almost done. Um, so yeah, that's what this is. They're covering it up. Um, 
here's what it, it looks like. It's, it has more browns in it. It's kind of weird. I don't like the browns. Whatever. Who cares? Um, yeah. And so here's the relevant passage from um, Heat Distrail's piece here. I'm just sorry. I'm like moving you guys around so I can read. Um, yeah. So in Tank on a Pedestal Museums in the Age of Planetary Civil War, um, Heat Distrail makes the point. Um, about um, this sort of like absorption, right? This sort of like the rich have Guernica in in their private homes, like in this in this fiction depiction. But I think it's also very real that like Rockefeller like needed his own Guernica and shit, and then like Rockefeller's son, like and and for a while it was like this like interesting juxtaposition to have at like the UN when they're discussing, you know, trying to maintain peace theoretically. Um, But then of course that even is like removed and why, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to us? Are we going to go to war? Do we have to put it behind the blue curtain again to announce something? What's going to happen? Something's going on. Um, But yeah, in this, in this specific passage, um, he just talks about, um, Picasso paintings finds shelter in the mayhem of war in a private dining room. The painting may be safe and it certainly enjoys a climate controlled atmosphere, but very few people will see it in the historical civil war. However, um, a completely opposite direction was made, um, to expose the painting. It literally put it out there. It's called an exposition. You know, that's like going back to like it being at the, the world expo, it being out in the public. Very, I don't know. That's that's that part. But then, um, and you know, and if there is not art, there is no point in conserving it. More than the artwork themselves, there's nothing threatened um, by the institutional response to civil war, be it privatization or overprotection, is public access. But it is public access to a certain degree that makes art what it is in the first place, thus necessitating its conservation. Hence, the contradiction: art requires visibility to be what it is, and yet this visibility. Is precisely what is threatened by its efforts to privatize it. Okay, that's it for me. I here are my links. You can follow them. I link this in the Discord. Um, I guess I'll go back to this one if we want to just meditate on it now. Um, but yeah, I guess my the main points that I think we should consider is you know, the, that sort of lasting symbology of Guernica. Um, you know, if, if that can be, um, if, if that, if that has like the potential to like keep being this symbol, you know, with the Rockefellers taking it down as recently as last month, what does that say about the revolutionary potential of it? Um, is it is it still there? Do it, it does it make the ruling class nervous for people to have that historical juxtaposition in their head when they're looking at their politicians and their diplomats? Um, and is that why it was taken down again? Um, and you know, is this something maybe that artists should be utilizing 
um, very directly in order to continue this um, historical, you know, I think it's historical, like in the modern tradition and in like the kind of new sort of bullshit, I, I guess, um, social practice tradition. If we're thinking about the Art Workers Coalition, Guerrilla Art Action Group, as these folks who were um, doing some really important activism, but then were later absorbed into the institution um, and kind of made um, neutered, like useless to a revolutionary cause, or some of them were like thrown, thrown in jail and um, neutered that way. Um, Time. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so what do, what do people think? Did I miss anything? Oh, that was great. Did great. Yes, yeah, way to go. Cool. Great. <laughs> that was awesome. You know. Well, we can look at we can look at the gigapixel while we talk. <laughs> I'm still sharing my screen, right? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, let's take the guided tour of it. <laughs> see ultraviolet light. Wow. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually got to see it uh like Ooh. eight years ago. Nice. And like just incredible. That's awesome. Oh, I'm having a hard time controlling it. <laughs> Where did you get to see it? Where was it on view? I was in Madrid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's at the Reina Sofia. Yeah. I got to see it at the same time when I got to see the black paintings. Well, they're in a different museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Cool. I, was, I, I was kicking myself that I missed uh, your talk last week. Yeah, um, it's recorded though, so it'd be cool. <laughs> but I actually remember fighting with my mom about it because she wanted to go see Guernica, but they had a, um, oh my God, I'm totally gonna forget, but they had this really cool show, uh, one of the really like great AIDS artists from New York. Um, Felix Gonzalez, was he? No, uh, no, no, no. Wojnarowicz, David Wojnarowicz? Wojnarowicz. Yes. Wernerovich. Oh, yeah. Yes, they had Sorry, a Brazilian. retrospective. <laughs> That's a hard one. I can never do They had that. a retrospective of um, David Wernerovich upstairs. Oh. So I was just like, I don't want to leave that. But it was cool to see Guernica. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention was this light bulb up here. It's kind of cool. Mm. Um, in, in, in Spanish is bombilla. Um, and it, there's like, there's a sort of like Luddite vibe to that because it it's not like the light source of the image. The light source is like kind of the um, the lantern here, um, which is kind of like the light of the rebellion. And the, the larger light is like kind of like represents like more technological um, yeah, it looks like an eye. Yeah, I always yeah. thought it was God watching. <laughs> yeah. Some people interpret the light bulb as the 
commentary on industrialization and it being a sort of universal symbol for like uh man's conquering it's like bombia sounds like bomb it sounds like bomb oh yeah yeah and the point was this bombing so yo yeah think a lot about how picasso like uh you know, it's like he spent so much time not thinking about politics that this one gesture ended up having more weight because he kind of goes back to being apolitical after this, too. He just has this one moment like, wait, I actually care about this. Hold on, let me go off. And then he goes back to thinking about taking women's bodies apart. <laughs> I mean, he does say like in like the 40s, it's not, like I think in like 44, that's when he, he has his little quote about being a communist. It just, it, it feels like this was his piece that he could like tell the international press like, yeah, I say don't do this with it. Or I say do this only with it. And like it, it that like is a political statement in and of itself. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that he had to be commissioned to do it. Like, it makes it sound like he wouldn't have done it unless somebody brought up the idea. I thought Dora Marr convinced him to do it. Is that, doesn't anybody know? Oh. Confirm that? Or, who? I, I remember seeing it. I don't know if it was in the, a documentary or whatever, but I thought I, I thought I read that somewhere. Let's say again, I missed who you said. Dora, Dora Marr convinced Tried convinced him to do it. He wasn't going to do it, but Dora Marr talked him into doing it. Uh, that sounds about right. She was very political and stuff like that. So, huh. and then wasn't he offered like a, the directorship of the Prado at the same time or something? Yeah, I, I kind of remember hearing something like during World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, oh, uh oh, I'm I'm ahead of an organization now. I've got to start making statements. That's right. later too. This so this was 37. Yeah. Right. He also did a um, massacre in Korea, mm-hmm. which I don't know if anybody is familiar with that one. That it's not as strong as Guernica, um, but it's still it's a pretty intense piece. Yeah, he was definitely thinking about this and like the, the, the art workers coalition where were, they were like writing letters to him, um, trying to get him on board with their demands against the conservatives on the, the MoMA board. Oh, cool. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the, the piece, um, it, it's in my links and I'll, I'll post it. I'll post the actual PDFs in the discord if that's easier. But in my links at the end of the slides. You can read this great the the Meyer Shapiro's choice. Yeah, harder, really good. I would really like that. Yeah. Did you find anything out about how he ended up raising money um, for the Republicans? Because I saw, like, I I always see like, oh, and then the the piece traveled around and it raised the money, and it's like, what happened? Like. Was there a, he didn't did they leave it. a tip jar next to no, it? Like he didn't do it. It's not him. It's, it's the actual, it's the actual Republic. It's the infrastructure. It's like the, the party infrastructure raised the money. 
not him. Yeah, I just, I, I know. Well, I just don't understand. Like, so the painting was traveling around different countries and people are figuring like, okay, we're going to take the money to put it from here to here. But then once it goes from place to place, then is it like, oh, if you want to show this, you have to give money to these people or like, you know, say it, say it goes to the MoMA, then the MoMA gives money to the Spanish Republic, for example, or, you I know, I assume I, I don't know the, the like 100 percent answer. But yeah, it does I, seem, don't, I don't know either. It does seem like it just traveled to different institutions that had the money to buy the right to show it and display it. That's what I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. So then it's just, I don't know. I'm trying to put it together myself because it just it seems like a really good idea that Definitely. I don't I don't see it happening a lot like or hear about it. I know that there were um, like Spanish communists and stuff who would just kind of travel around Europe to be like, hey, guys, we need money to do this. And they would give talks on it and be like, this is what we're dealing with. And then and they would like also literally ask people to just like come to Spain to fight with. Mm -hmm. the, wow. So I, I imagine it was kind of in, in maybe like with those people. Oh, it was just like a tip jar. I have no idea, but <laughs> my best guess. That, yeah, there, that reminds me of the way people made money before. Like, what's the guy with Olana on the Hudson River? Um, Thomas Cole? Uh, yeah, Cole. They would make a landscape and you'd have to pay. It really was almost like a tip jar. And you'd go and you get to look at all the little birds they painted and stuff, and you'd have to file past. But it doesn't ever look like that's what they did with Guernica. It looks like it's, you know not pay-per-view like that it seems like nobody ever did that after a certain uh maybe like well yeah phase. one aspect i didn't touch on that much but or kind i kind of wanted to more was like the ad like this being combined with like like thinking about like newspapers right and how everybody saw the news in this stark black and white and like even when the television was invented, like, you know, not a lot of people had it, but when they did have it, it was also in black and white. And like to to be able to just like see shit was a lot more difficult than it is now. Yeah. 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 Like that's two. There's like the two things in Guernica. One of them is the depiction, like you're saying of, which later got kind of taken over by Life magazine, being able to take pictures of things in Vietnam. And then the other side is that, you know, this, you know, artist that's considered the most forward thinking person. So if he thinks Franco bombing people is bad, it must be like an opinion, like a, an influencer yeah. kind of thing. Influencer. Picasso was an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like if the Republicans commissioned Picasso, they probably owned the piece at that point after he made it. So probably like if museums pay for right to show it, it's almost like they're just using this thing they bought to make money for themselves, which kind of thinking about that makes it kind of depressing. It's like not really 
it's like Picasso didn't really do anything except for like take a job. And then really the, the like revolutionary thing was just, ha- I mean, it was the revolution, I guess. And then I like that though. I think that that shows how this thing, it can be this individual stepping up when they need to do the thing that they do, but then it's up to like the collective and the project to build what that build, why that's important. And that's kind of why I included the, the dumb Picasso quote about art and truth or whatever, because something else that um, is brought up in the, why is my doorbell ringing? (laughs) And the, um, uh, Fred, uh, Fresina piece is that like um, people didn't actually um, like the news like you'd, you'd think that like people's minds would be changed just by the images alone and like to, the, to a certain extent that's true like just seeing like at the dinner table like oh for the first time we're actually seeing the coffins return um, we're in Life magazine. We're seeing this shit for the first time. That that does make a big impact at first, but you need to kind of combine that with like the reporting and the journalism that is is going with it, in order to like actually get it, get the people's brains going. Um, I actually also really like the fact that it was commissioned by the Republic. Um, specifically because I think, you know, we were talking last week and just in general, right, that once the artist is done with the work, it's out of their hands, like literally, but then also figuratively. And that how is how is the owner of the art then leveraging it as as a, you know, in this case, a piece of propaganda, right? Like a good piece of propaganda, but a piece of propaganda nonetheless about why war is bad and why Franco, you know, should like eat shit and die. Yeah, I think why I have a negative reaction to it is it just feels like it takes the agency away from the artist. And obviously, as an artist, I sort of associate myself in that position. And so you think about, like, what does that mean for what you can do? And it's like, well, I guess you get get really famous <laughs> and then get paid, but hopefully by the good guys. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, it's. It's not totally depressing, but it does reframe it. It doesn't feel like it's an act of, um, doesn't feel like it's a revolutionary act in some ways uh, on Picasso's part. Um, well, uh, go on. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say, it, it just feels like if you're painting something, there's consent involved that if you're, if you're making something to be viewed, it's all it's going to be recontextualized no matter what and that's kind of just a part of the practice yeah i'd say like the revolutionary uh, potential is always in the art not in the artist and it's more like yes your work is going to be appropriated because it's what the culture industry does uh, even if you have a revolutionary form, like the work doesn't update itself, so capitalism will find a way to get it. But even then, uh, there are ways where, like, it's about. I don't think art can change a person, right? It's like it can uh, 
push certain buttons and then the person does the work to change uh, themselves according to uh, whatever the art medium realize. So even if you, even if it's appropriated, uh, like uh, we just talked about uh, the what narrow it, what David, I'm close to him. I'm gonna call him David. We're yeah. friends. Uh, so David has that famous picture where he has uh, the jacket he used during the the AIDS epidemic. Like, if I die, put my don't bury me. Put my my body in the steps of the FDA, and like it got it was used as a cover for you too. Like the most liberal shit possible, like Bono Vox, uh, and you can think like, yeah, this is inescapable. But if someone looks at the cover and then tries, okay, what, what's this? And then reads after that, you might just go, neat, you two cares a lot about people and gay people, rad. And, or you can like actually go and see like uh, David's work and how he was really like about uh, trying to make queer people uh, have a decent living and things like that. So it, it depends on how the person takes it, but the revolutionary potential is there, but it's just a potential. And for it to be realized, the person has to, do the work, I think. And that's regardless of the, the artist's intentions. I'm still really into the, the Rockefeller reproduction as a tapestry that's then shown in the UN. That for whole 35 story, years. For what? 25 years? For 35 years. For 35 years. Until last month. Yeah. That whole aspect just makes it i don't know that much more powerful and important seeming <laughs> that it, that's not even what the intention of picasso was or the intention of the spanish republic and he didn't want to sell it to rockefeller yet rockefeller wanted it so much he had a tapestry made of it and then somehow that ended up in the un for 35 years like yeah. that's crazy yeah, they, they must have really seen a lot of potential in it, I guess. Well, I don't know. And then it's almost like it has these eyes that can see morality that like it's like, oh, we've got to hide it behind this curtain because if it sees the war crimes <laughs> that we're doing, it's going to like, like smite us or something. You like look at that horse's tongue and you're like, I'm not going to make that happen again. Well, right. Yeah, that it's simultaneously a piece that the rich and powerful want, but simultaneously they can't they can't be observed by it when when decisions when they are exerting their power over others. Right. Like, so what is that? You know, like as a piece, it's doing both of those things at the same time. Yeah, that's something that I. I really, um, okay, I really liked about the presentation is uh, this tension between when the object is revolutionary and when it's like, just like a really famous painting. Like, I feel like it, um, it vacillates because it's, there's something, you know, in like the Hito sterile, sterile that it's like, if it's just in some rich person's house, then it's just a really famous painting and whatever revolutionary potential it has, whatever ability it has to reach people is just not there anymore. And then it's just a Picasso painting. 
And, you know, I thinking about that with like someone like Rockefeller wanting it and just being like, oh, it's an important Picasso painting with probably not all that much care about what the context is around it. If we want to get Walter Benjamin with it, the the aura of the original work is said to have this luminous quality that almost puts a, a ref, like a reflection, like, like you see yourself when you look at it a little bit. Um, and, and that's something unique to it that, you know, this remake tapestry couldn't capture. Um, for example. Yeah. But, they use the lead white. Yeah. Yeah. And he used actual like house paint. Like, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Lead white is, is really reflective and then all of the blacks are supposed to be matte in contrast so that you can see in the figures yeah exactly i have the dove up right now you you see the dove is like almost completely in black um save for this one little streak um the but yeah the, the the reproductions of of the work um it's it's like yeah that's that's like its own like potential like if we want to talk about like say like there is say there is like a piece of art that like has like a really interesting like revolutionary quality and it like becomes a poster that's everywhere that's like sent everywhere and everyone's like i love this poster i love this meme this is my favorite meme (laughs) and and it's like wow did you know facts about your favorite meme? The original meme is owned by Jeffrey Epstein and lives in his island. Like, you know, whatever, like something like that. Like that kind of gives a, a, an interesting quality. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's also, yeah, like thinking erratically, like Rockefeller was also courting like, all of these other kind of radical artists. If, you know, it's like he wanted Diego Rivera to do his lobby. And then he was like, okay, fine. This, this isn't working out. Like I'm going to get a Guernica then. <laughs> I'm going to get something revolutionary because I'm cool. I was taking some real L's that decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why won't anyone let me burn their work? Sorry. <laughs> And, but it is strange to see it like, you know, it just ends up on calendars, gift cards, tote bags. Yep. But that's kind of maybe part of the process of absorption, right? It's once you produce the object ad infinitum, it becomes so household that you're accustomed to the, the kind of background that it comes from. It's like, the same way they figured out, oh, well, when we show pictures of Vietnam, it's kind of bad at first, but then it turns out you can just show it on a 24 hour cycle and it kind of gets people used to it. Or you can make a a video game where you simulate being the operators of the massacres yourself. Oh yeah. You have to, you have to step it up. Actually. We're, we're a little too desensitized for this stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's also about, erasing history just like the the children of man quote uh, okay put on like 
uh, the newer generations just see Guernica on tote bags and wallpapers. They're just going to think it's a weird, uh, wow, this dude must have done so much drugs to draw this thing. Like, they're not going to know it's about war or anything like that. It's tough. How many people does it reach, though? How many people are like, what is this? I'm going to look at the Wikipedia. Because the Wikipedia is pretty extensive. Going back to... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say, it's why I think it's potential. Like, it's never revolutionary uh, revolution itself. It's potential. Well, it's... uh... (laughs) The Ari? Oh, oh. No, I was just saying um, what Lucia was saying was making me think of uh, the Sontag regarding the pain of others and just this, you know, just definitely the idea that like when we start having these visual records of war and pain that, um, you know, the question if desensitization is even really a thing, if that's actually what's happening when we're know being bombarded with these images well i was just gonna say that talking about you know like how regular or you know like i feel like this is a painting that i can remember seeing like in like from like my child's eye like I, I can picture this painting, like, and I feel like I have a really horrible memory, but I can picture this, like, without seeing it. And to be honest, like, I didn't even necessarily, like, know the name of the painting. Or, like, I probably knew the name of the painting, but I did not associate it, like, with this image. Because this image was just, like, something that when I was growing up, like, I remember seeing in, you know, a textbook. You know, like, it's just like, here's a Picasso, as opposed to like, here it is tied to the history of like, what it's depicting. Right. right? So to talk about, you know, like, it did, in fact, do the thing, right? Like all the stuff that we're talking about, like, I feel like I experienced that directly as someone who's like, not an, who never studied art history, who isn't an artist, like, I know that this happened to me. Well, point on that, there's a, there's an interesting project um, I linked to in one of the slides. Um, here, let me find it. Well, I actually don't link to it directly, but... Oh, no, it's not this one. It's um, this one. So this website. This website's interesting. Um, it, it, like, yeah, it, it collects all this stuff about Guernica. One of the, one of the points I thought was interesting was this um project for kids like it was like Guernica for kids sort of <laughs> um, uh that I like had to trace it in art class as a kid I was going to mention that we had to like that was a project that our whole class did master copies of this in like fifth grade yeah that's, that's what did they tell you about it nothing I just remember laughing like like the horse tongue is really funny and it's like kind of funny I think it's like a it's it's a very good stand-in for like art. Just what is art? And then you have a picture of this. And that's why it appeared on all that. I cuz I have the same experience. I don't think I I colored it, but we had to draw it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a really similar experience. I feel like we were at least told it was about bombing and it was like anti-war, but definitely wasn't told that it made the artist into a communist. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's kind of interesting. I don't know, like singing about Philip Guston's painting of the bombing that was in um, the Mexican muralist show. And it was, it was just, in contrast, it was like this really small Tondo painting that was just this like kind of radial blast image. And it was like, you know, this big. And then, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I keep thinking about the scale of this and just sort of like how, I don't know, how funny it is that you have to combine all of these elements to make the statement and that it, it's not just about the imagery or it's not just about like who's who's being taught it or or why or when it's like i don't know that's a half-baked thought like the the gustin is like a complete statement right and then the guernica has got like all these components these puzzle pieces that you decipher it's like a two different ways of p putting a composition together is that kind of like what yeah. you're saying yeah yeah it's kind of because like the gustin is more um literal there's it's more rendered and it's more a, about a blast shape and like everything going in all directions right but then this is so much more of a riddle that people have to yeah. spend time kind of taking it apart and and it like the mystery allows you to put it in a classroom Mm -hmm. There's so much symbols that you can go over the here, the stigmata. But yeah. in, in addition to the stigmata, you can see these like these paint droplets kind of people when they talk about Guernica often talk about how quickly he made it and how 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 like kind of frantic and important it was to get it done in time for this deadline. And like that kind of shows in it as well. But yeah, there's all these all these symbols like there's the because this is the soldier and the soldier is of course like oh you're christ-like because you sacrificed yourself for your homeland and then but you failed you know your sword is broken you're dead but maybe there's this like poppy of hope that's like kind of ghostly next to you that could be some potential in the future um so many there yeah there's like yeah. So there's many. the bull and the horse which is interesting yeah. it's like he it, there's like he thought of himself as yes. the mentor, but then in this painting of a full bull, it was people say maybe it's supposed to be Franco. Franco. Yeah. Or like the bull is fascism and the horse is supposed to be what you're relating to. It made me think he has a lot of self hatred. And then because when, then when I was thinking of him as a rapist, because he was a rapist, I think about how um, if he thought of himself and Franco as 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 the bull, then he was working out some something in himself that he saw was oppressive and bad. Well, he was working out a lot with the bull because he was also thinking about like the culture of bullfighting and that of it was sort of like tragedy spectacle. It's a ritual. It's like a, a ritual of brutality that men feel like they must do. Yeah. And, and then he had a good related. way to describe war. Yeah. 
but then you, then you kind of had this moment where there was like, um, I don't know, he, I'm going to butcher it, but it was like in, in his earlier work, he would talk about, um, it, like encountering the feminine and sort of like being wrecked by it. And he, he sort of always felt like he was, um, trying to like protect himself against like his lust for the feminine, whatever. Um, like, uh, he would, you know, he would say like, um, that like Mademoiselle Davignon was like, uh, a, was exercising female evil spirits from his life. And then he got up to this point where it was like, here's a massacre where it's mostly women and children. Like, how do you feel about that though? Really? Like, it, you know, you're afraid of women or like you, you want to like consume them with like eroticism. But then what about like, what about this, this um, other aspect of your relationship to women where it's like it's not about sex dude they're dying <laughs> they're dying out there how do you portray that and i think i don't know maybe there was a moment there where he could have i don't know maybe it's a compassionate moment or something like well if he did realize that he was a communist through this piece he could have also realized that he was an oppressor to women he could have also realized that he was maybe almost there but I mean, didn't he also like start dating? Um, uh, what's her name? She was fifteen. <laughs> He's at Therese. Marie Therese Waller. Marie Therese, yeah, that was after this, right? That was before this. That was before this. Yeah. So right. he endured. I'm sorry. No, please, <laughs> no, you're, you you remember this stuff. I, I'm obsessed with Picasso. <laughs> so yeah. I know a little bit, just a little bit. Um, so anyway he was with Marie Therese and there's a story of him and Dora Mar Marie Therese and Dora Mar fighting while he was making this, like literally fighting while he's making this painting. I don't know if it's a myth or if it's just something they put in documentaries, but she, she was in Dora Mar was in the picture when he painted this, like she, she convinced him to do this. She was um, friends with a lot of the, uh, revolutionaries. I, th I believe she was a communist. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, she was, Dormar was after Marie Therese. Sorry. But that's, that's what I know on that. Do you think he lessened his like shit against women at any point in his life? Um, no, I, I don't think, think so either. <laughs> his entire life. I mean, you know, and, and how horrible he was with his kids, too. That's right. what pisses me off. Again, he's like one of my favorite artists, but he's a pig. I mean, you know, it's like, like it's tough to reconcile. You know, you think, you know, well, back then, you know, a lot of men were pigs, you know, but, you know, that's not really an excuse. And a lot of men were bad with their kids, too, you know, but um, I don't know. You know, and he, he painted himself as a minotaur as well. You know what I mean? So like the, touching on what Lucia was saying about the bull representing him trying to deal with his, you know, his anger towards women and, you know, the, the mythology of that. And um, he painted himself as a bull many times. Yeah. 
So it's interesting from that perspective. No, of course, um, the, ma- the matador is supposed to kill the bull. Right. Yep. And I'm thinking about the bull. Um, I mean, there's a minotaur myth, but I actually uh, go to the myth of Io, where he turns, um, Zeus turns into a white bull so that he can seduce her. Mm. So I don't know, just the idea. I mean, we do have this connection with like bulls and you know, um, fertility and masculinity, especially, I mean, hence the bullfight, but yeah, I, I mean, there's just something about that as like a way to get a woman. <laughs> yeah. So basically he became a communist, but he only read Marx and stopped there. Didn't read Frida or anyone. <laughs> Like most men do in communism. I doubt he read any, frankly. I may have read the manifesto since it's 10 pages. <laughs> You'd hope. You'd it's hope. like being born again. You can just like have communism in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> also, how may a lot of men do in leftism. <laughs> yeah. And then you just naturally know. I mean... Picasso uh, uh, missed out on Twitter to radicalize himself. Oh my God. Pablo Picard. Oh yeah, here. Pablo this, Picard. <laughs> this piece about, he, he wrote in this interview. The FBI. Yeah, then, then the FBI like tailed him after this, of course. Um. Yeah, it's just some shit I found about. I mean, isn't that good in a way? Like a political party is like it's supposed to capture people who do. Does every single like if if the party gets big enough? Does every single person need to read Capital? Or is it just like, this party is for my freedom and I'm just going to go for this one because it's the one for freedom and freedom of all oppressed people. So sounds good to me. <laughs> Probably what his friends were into, you know what I mean? He, you know, he, he, he had a large circle of intellectual friends and they probably convinced him to do it. And, you know. Yeah, maybe the best bar in town was, was the leftist one. <laughs> Had the best cocktails. <laughs> I do be like that. <laughs> kind of wanted to, there was something Vinny said about kind of the question of whether, uh, you know, you can change somebody's mind with art. I was kind of like uh, thinking about maybe things are a lot different now, but um, propaganda <clears throat> and I think the idea that you can, this is more like something that Frank Lutz would do, you know, like try to suss out what people's associations are with something. So, you know, with this, it's like, there's this, there's this uh, bombing and there's this cause, but people haven't heard of it. And without Picasso's painting, maybe people would think Franco and they'd think like, a Catholic church or like somebody dressed up in a nice suit or something agreeable. And this is an effort to make that 
like you can only get one thing in there and you, you have to like substitute one image. And so this might've been a successful case, not as everyone was kind of pointing out, like later down the road, it kind of unspools and turns into gift bags, but you can temporarily kind of, you know, put something in the, in the association spot for, for an idea. Maybe that doesn't work now because people can, people can whip up so many uh, images so fast that it's kind of, you know, extremely difficult to have just one in there, but. Um, or maybe that makes your point even better. It's just like those gift bags just kind of start going out like right when the first thing hits, right? Because everyone just starts making their own spinoff version really quick. Yeah, maybe it would. Like the Bernie meme. Like Bernie's mittens were like a big deal. And it looked really like it was like, whoa, he's actually kind of saying something with those mittens. But then like it was just on every picture. And then it was just like not really about that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of was. But it was smaller. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Oh, no, uh, just uh, I mean, that is it's fascinating how much more it's like it used to be, at least I feel in the past that someone would consciously decide, let's put this image out there. And now as you're like the Bernie thing, it's like there's just this hive mind that makes up, decides what the images are going to be. And they just kind of it seems like there's almost no author that that really came up with that, even though it turned into a big thing. Well, it's just, it's also because uh, alienation became more common, right? It's like the they live glasses keeps getting bigger and bigger on us. Uh, sorry, not the glasses. We, get, we don't have the glasses. That's what I mean. Because like, I keep thinking like while we're talking about how like after Trump was elected, Every time a really obvious band did a anti-Trump statement, a lot of people lost their shit. Like people were confused that Rage Against the Machine didn't like Trump. And, you know, like here it's like it's easier because, you know, people don't have to understand the lyrics because it's English. But even in the U.S., I saw people getting that. And all I can think it's like, yeah, they listened to it on the radio while they were driving or something like that. They didn't actually engage with it. And so it's not even it's not even just like the work itself getting assimilated, but it's also like the participant uh, or the person who observing the art is also getting assimilated because he doesn't doesn't pay full attention to it or he doesn't have the energy or he's just not going to have the time to go on Wikipedia and read about Guernica and know that it's like about war and stuff like that. I think about too the um, nature of the press um, as the fifth estate of the bourgeois and like how it it continues to justify its existence um, through like, like it's like there will be good reporting. There will be good direct reporting that's important. And that like 
um, permeates and pierces the veil that like people see like, wow, this happened. But then the very next thing will be some like horrific regurgitation of a press release that, um, you know, is, is like, it, it makes the whole paper itself suspect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then people don't believe anything at all because they're like this. I, I don't, yeah, they don't really know what to believe. They're like, this paper lies all the time, but then how do like, th- there's not enough like um, media literacy for people to be like, I get that. Like sometimes there's good, well-reported things. And sometimes it's opinion. Like nobody can really differentiate it at this point. Yeah. You'd have to be so into it that you knew the reporters by name and, or followed that, right. that detail. I mean, there isn't even necessarily an understanding that the opinion section is not connected to the newsroom. So, yeah. Uh, this is making me think about, like, you know, why Picasso maybe wants, you know, at this time when he's when he gets the commission, it's like, you know, he has the meetings with his artistic council and then kind of realizes that there is a revolutionary potential in the gesture in the moment. And that's why it's, it's like, all right, it has to happen now. It has to happen fast. We've got to make a statement. Everything is aligned. And, you know, obviously afterwards it, it doesn't really matter. And that's why you can roll this thing up and you can staple it to stuff and, you know, whatever happens in the educational route isn't as important as the fact that it was done because that enabled the conversation to coalesce around the action. Yeah, I think it it shows like how strong or weak the party is at that point, because if the, the party is strong, the party can send all these people all over to spread the word about we're this party. We're fighting back against the fascists in Spain. Please come join us. Come join us in Spain if you believe in this revolutionary cause. If they have that focus and that um, planning and um, uh, yeah, money to do that and shit, um, then the party is strong. If the party is weak, then the the parties that are in power will interpret this, this as you know, much or literal as they can, like perhaps like some modern equivalence is like, oh, artist weight raises awareness about such and such, <laughs> you know, thing. And then there's a charity that pops up and they make a bunch of money for the charity and then uh, it goes away. That's weakness. That's weakness in a in a revolutionary party. Wasn't it kind of uh, like a. Uh the current thing, the, the backdrop of uh, capitalism is cynicism to such an extent. It's, it's like uh, the idea of having a painting make you want to go to Spain and fight was pretty far out. The influence of it, yeah, from that it's, perspective. It's really good. <laughs> I, 
it really like it's a really good painting and i like yeah i really didn't know anything about it when i saw it um and and it had a lot of impact on me well it makes me think picasso must have been very famous and important at this time right and I mean, I don't really know the history of like when Picasso was famous, but it just feels like the place that painting had and like Picasso as a public figure had is so different then than even the most well-known painter now. Because, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it seems like more than anything, what is so important about it is the kind of like voice that it gave and like the lasting effect of that. But so much of that seems connected to the fact that, yeah, Picasso is still the artist that, you know, every child learns about. And so. The, the type of like art and media projects that are being funded internationally by, say, the United States are these like um, extreme uh like anti-China, anti-Russia, anti, you know, like it's, it's to spread divisions amongst these like um, particular, um, particular areas that they need to sow these divisions. And you can imagine maybe like if there was a truly revolutionary like party that was in power, they yeah they could be doing what the united states does now but <laughs> not you know in the other direction <laughs> cuz it's like billions and billions of dollars like in the if you look at the different stipulations in the defense bill which like unanimously passes every year with like a 10% increase every year you go through all the shit that like this became a a a sort of like right wing talking point but it's which is really frustrating that there's nobody on the left nobody in the squad like maybe Ilhan Omar sometimes will talk about this but like the the amount of like newspapers and art that we fund internationally to like promote certain conflicts yeah what do you think about um the support of Ai Weiwei oh, in that context. That. I was just you know thinking I mean? that. Like, is that like, part of me, I used to not like Ai Weiwei and then I, and then I like him a lot. Now, like I'm kind of convinced about that he's authentic um, to a degree. Um, but then I, you know, then I think about, well, how much of his anti-China, uh, you know, that re uh, rhetoric that's, that's feeding into that kind of thing, you know, making China the enemy, you know, and celebrating this, this man who's all about freedom, you know, and then um, it's, it's complicated, you know what I mean? Like, you know, his, his, the, the labor that he used to build all these projects, you know, for penny for pennies. Right. I mean, you know, you think about that, yeah. you know, and like he's exploiting labor. I mean, how much is, are you really about freedom if you're exploiting these? I mean, but you know, the people seem happy to have a job. I mean, you know, there's, one way of looking at that, I guess. I don't know, but just what your thoughts were on that with Weiwei. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical. Okay. Um, but it's it. I I do think it's compelling, and I do think at the like, every, like I think every single 
party in power right now deserves a shitload of criticism. It's just like, I'm always extremely skeptical of siding with the narrative from that, that is in line with the United States and the state department in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to say that I saw a video performance of Extin- extinction rebellion and I'm totally convinced to like move off the grid right now. <laughs> They are an op, correct? Right? Can we all agree on? Extinction? Yeah, they're being funded by Unilever, right? <laughs> but I no, but I mean, obviously a joke, but like, right? Like, it's funny to think about, right? In in comparison, right? Here's a piece that's being positioned right as revolutionary, right? But then they come out and say specifically that they don't hate capitalism. What thing is I? I've never heard of it. Yeah, can I Google it? What is it Extinction called? Rebellion. They do all like the like street, like bullshit. They do pro- big performance art pieces, uh, uh, like supposedly about climate change, and they they'll like they'll like kind of co-opt marches and like. Yeah. But they're really cringe too. They'll do performances where it's like a bunch of mothers breastfeeding out in public to be like, we love Mother Earth, so here's a bunch of mothers. <laughs> it's really, it's like, ah, okay, but what are your demands, dude? Like, what are, what are we asking for here? And they're like, well, we don't want anything to really stop except the bad stuff. You know what it is, the pollution. And hey, Pollution is dirty, and we're being funded by oh. a soap company. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they've got a logo that's like a an X for extinction, but it's a time. It's like a sound thing. Like, like. Yeah, it's like the rune uh, for breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What are they funded by Unilever? Yeah. I. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Chumbawamba reference. <laughs> yeah. Unilever white as washer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit like that. There are these like, you know, radio free Asia, radio free this, like the Falun Gong, like fucking uh, Shenmune, like all like this <laughs> shit. Like it's... There's direct lines um, of like the type of art that um, the the ruling class wants to push to sow to sow certain divisions that are beneficial. Yeah, it's it's really convenient to use a spectacle to break apart a more comprehensive platform of demands like. Everyone can agree that climate change is bad. Mm-hmm. So if we just now mix this uh, potential for, I, I don't know, life-saving efforts with whatever is going to be a profit incentive, then, I mean, you're technically going to have to be for the profit as well as the good thing. 
So why not? Uh, it's like hidden capitalist heaven. There is this brand of uh, eggs here. They have two uh, two options of eggs. You can buy like uh, like brutal uh, brutal treatment of chicken and the one oh this if you buy this one right. this is eggs from from chicken they're like they are free and they are eating just grass and they're getting happy if you buy this one which is uh, more expensive than the the brutal one maybe we'll just do that <laughs> that's here too the cage free yeah that's yeah. Uh, i didn't i didn't know how to translate it but yeah yeah pay for us to stop abusing animals and then grass fed <laughs> I don't know what else they eat if it's not grass. Chicken feed. Yeah. Other chickens. Oh god. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, see you Kevin. Bye. We hit the 90 minutes, so if anybody else needs to dip, that's cool. Um, I'll probably dip in a in a bit, maybe at ten. Um, this was a really good talk. Yeah, at least the at least the really, really was an in-house job. Like Spain funded it for Spain, right? I mean, there's something to be said about that. I mean, it's like that's a really cool aspect of it. That's actually, I feel like, one of the more revolutionary aspects of the piece, other than, like, the imagery. Just the way that it came into being is really explicitly revolutionary. Yeah, I'd like to know what the, how it was, how the proposition was worded, because it seems like they didn't know what they were getting, you know. Yeah, well, they they um they asked several artists. M Miro was there, and there's other oh. artists. There's a couple. Were they all Spanish? Yes. Yeah. It was it was a very nationalistic project, which is why I'm bringing up now the Wapala flag, because that's like <laughs> another another thing I've been thinking about a lot. Well, you actually wanted to give your presentation on, but didn't want to do the work. I couldn't. It was too much work. <laughs> I, I I don't know how to find. I don't know how to find all this shit. I, I don't speak Spanish. Uh, like, or I know, the I'm, just, language. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I would love, I mean, it's so cool, but like, yeah, like when I was looking into it, like people don't really know, like kind of like how it came about. I, like it, it seems to be like just blended from all these different like minority ethnic groups or like um, indigenous groups, like, um, and and like yeah, the colors like symbolize like all these specific stuff. Like I don't know, I guess we can just stay on the Wikipedia. But like, yeah, it, it, it's just so cool. Like it has all of this like deep meaning to it. But then it's also like yeah, to to have a new flag that's like taking from the like take reclaiming themselves as a nation from the colonial powers. Like that's so powerful. But, you know, at the same, that's a very nationalistic project. And so how, how can we like appropriately utilize nationalism as revolutionaries? I know it's very cringy to say, because I don't, 
I've never <laughs> considered like, like, I, I don't, I've never considered like being in a revolutionary moment. Cause it's, it, it just feels like I've, I've almost like have like a third world disposition about it where I'm like, we're all in fucking America. Like <laughs> what the fuck? Like, thank you. I was going to say that. <laughs> Vanny, if you can talk to this, go for it. But yeah, like, you know, like, I think that's like the good, the good impulse people have to like center, like land acknowledgement and indigenous rights and by like black, like, you know, BIPOC, uh, black indigenous people of color, like that, that's like the good impulse there is like to, to do that. But then like, how do empower those those movements or tie them to the larger working class in america is very difficult um like a very like strictly like capitalist example but one that was interesting was in the city of milwaukee um roman mars of 99 percent invisible said milwaukee had the worst flag <laughs> Like pull it up. It's it's amazing. It has like a it looks like it has a spaceship it's on it. Like it's pretty crazy, but it's so bad. But then so someone like they created the people's flag of Milwaukee, and they had, so that the one with the ship is the original. Well, that's that's cool. the that's the real that's the real flag, like created by a little girl in the fifties. This is nice. Cre- I like that. It's got um, so much going on, though. Yeah, it's the like red a face. shield or whatever going the on. The red face. It's got a flag inside the flag. Yeah, yeah. Like it. it's, it's incredible. incredible. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is um, fucked up, but yeah. But so, so there was the so that's the official flag of Milwaukee. But then the one that looks like the Corona logo Ugh. is the People's Flag of Milwaukee, which was some guy who was really upset that Roman Mars said that Milwaukee had an ugly flag and he's like, you know what? I'm a graphic designer and you're right. Flags are really important because it's how we derive identity. And my argument was always like name, name three city flags. Right? Like <laughs> name Chicago in Washington, D.C. because they're just, they just have red stars and that's about it. But so they got really into this and then came up with the, the people's flag which is not an official flag, but then they started selling merch with it and it is flown like a ton, like over Come like on. in, you know, like in Milwaukee. And it's just like, it's so goofy because it's like, to what end, right? Like to make some guy money for selling like socks that have this logo on it. But like, there was talk of making a campaign to have this be replaced the official flag but i don't think that ever went anywhere they should put it in the background of the official flag so like (laughs) yeah like put it in there as well (laughs) and then that's the flag replace the red face with yeah yeah stupid i love that (laughs) but just just you talking you know specifically you know the idea of you know, flag is representational and iconography or whatever. Like this is like a real example that I watched in the news for like three years. And no, it, it makes all sense. Sucked. Cause like, if you look at these other flags that are, and they talk about it too. And 
in this like like these other indigenous groups were making similar flags that were like slightly different and then like the Wapala was supposed to like kind of wa- literally weave all of them like together in like this kind of harmonious way um and that feels a lot more like a people's flag to me than just some random graphic designer being like this is yeah, well, like having like a contest right we have a contest and then we're gonna <laughs> vote on the best one and that's how we determine which is the people's we had a, we had a we had an online vote like this is like grounded in a in that's a, too dangerous though yeah. like remember when the olympics had like a contest for the flag and then someone just did the the, the dude opening his butthole like yeah. subliminal message <laughs> <laughs> But is the Wipala like uh it's it's not nationalist, is it? It's just kind of I would say it is. And I you know I I'd add that any flag is nationalist, including gay flags and trans flags and Yeah, I guess I thought of it in the same terms as like the gay pride flag. Um but that's a nas- that's a form of nationalism and 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 as to and my point original point is that the spanish republicans had a nationalist project that they were pursuing uh um you know yeah and that was like an aspect to gain them gaining support yeah i guess like i um i feel like it would like if it was yeah never mind i don't know this is making me think of like one piece (laughs) (laughs) i mean just because like it's you know obviously it's lighthearted fiction i guess in comparison but um i don't know i'm thinking of the episode where Um, there, there was like the, the doctor that, uh, said that he was going to make, um, like, uh, like rose petals, like cherry blossom petals, uh, bloom in this like icy, uh, tundra. And then that his flag had these petals on it and the, the flag just didn't have any meaning for the entire arc that they were talking about this mystical impossible thing until finally there was an action that um, everybody saw like, yeah, yeah, that flag. It's just, it's like, um, you know, all of a sudden it has meaning when you experience something together around it. So, you know, you can, make any kind of graphic design that you want, but it's about what you go through under the flag or with the flag. Yeah, I guess what, like I, like the the flag seems more as like a shared struggle, like what you're talking about, or like the, the Pan-African flag is like decidedly not nationalistic because it's it's not about any one of these nations it's about a collective struggle and but i think that synthesis needs to happen um uh, yeah like and it would be great if you could like form if you could like do it both at the same time if it's like 
And that, and that I think also to me is what's interesting about the Wapala flag is that it is kind of doing both at the same time because it has all these other like meanings and symbols in it. Yeah, it's and, used in Bolivia, but um, but it's similar enough to like other indigenous struggles that it can take on a, an international character. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's, I don't know, like thinking about the emotional resonance, sort of like, it's, it's like this, it's, it's like irrational how people care for these things. So we try, we try to pull it apart or find a science to it, but it's really like, you just have to have shared struggle. You just, you can't like, it's impossible. It's impossible to think of why these things mean anything. Like, like why, why does it matter if the flag touches the ground or why does it matter <laughs> if it gets destroyed or like, you know, you show people blocks of color and, and they're like, yes, this is what we unify under or around or with. And it's sort of like has this weird arbitrary quality to it. There was this really awesome Twitter thread yesterday or the day before about different techniques um, the Vietnamese used against American soldiers. And one of them was that they would like basically set off or like they'd kind of uh, rig these bombs and hang American flags at half mass. So whenever the Americans came, they were like, oh, we got to get the flag up at full mast. And then that would set off like a grenade. <laughs> What? Just take them out. <laughs> and it worked over and over. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Rad. What are what are like the legal repercussions for like burning a flag or something? Oh yeah, it's a felony. It's a felony. So what ha like what happens? You get charged with a, I don't know. like a little misdemeanor yeah, on get, your you name? time. You don't get time, do you really? Well, it's a felony. I don't know. I, I think it depends on the state and, and, and of course, the judge. And if they like you that day. It goes on your permanent record. Yeah. Or if they even see you. Like, <laughs> come on now. Yeah. Well, I guess if you do a, make a video of yourself burning a flag. Oh, yeah. I wonder. Yeah, we did an episode about burning flags. We should have checked to see what. <laughs> what the punishment is yeah, <laughs> like punishment <laughs> living in america <laughs> yeah <laughs> um just to bring it back just a second to the the hanging in the un right so like because i when you mentioned that we were doing this last week i took a peek and i had seen that the canvas was taken back by rockefeller but like that's in the security council like right it was hanging in the security council right right yeah. and so like right talking about we're talking about flags and talking about right like it, it a flag is representative of the actions of the people that you know like are operating underneath it or that are carrying it and specifically to hang the art that is depicting like the most horrid war crimes right in a room in which people legally declare that they're going to war 
you know, like in the court of world opinion, right? Like, right. This, so in this case, like it is acting like almost like directly, like it's, it's acting in the same way so long as the security council like agrees to never go to war. Right. And the moment, the moment, the moment that there's a decision to go to war, right. Under false pretense with Iraq and needing to cover it up. It's, that would be no different than covering up a, you know, like covering up a flag on your shirt, like, you know, like to say like, Oh, I'm not part of the U S or like covering up your badge. Right. Like I'm not a police officer. Like I'm not doing this as part of like under my authority, but I'm doing this, you know, in spite of. Yeah, it, it almost becomes this game of capture the flag where it's like, who has it? Who is who's got the narrative who's like you know it's these like sort of calculations and i'm just left wondering what the calculations are right now with the rockefeller family taking it down like officially <laughs> it's like oh this, government is shameful. <laughs> this is shameful they're we making an nft out of that Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> don't even say that sorry you're speaking it into existence oh god <laughs> i don't think i need to will it in existence <laughs> oh yeah tulpa tulpa no uh, apparently you can get a year of jail for wow flag prison yeah, here i think you get five or something damn whoa <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, but I could see how like that's a difficult thing because to 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 synthesize with like because like like and and why like in the United States like it keeps coming to a head around like police brutality because like so many people have just been completely brainwashed into believing that the police are the ultimate like patriotic protectors. Um, and like to believe otherwise is completely un-American and therefore this is evil. And it just, it, it, incre- it, it just continues to sow these like deep divisions. Um, like, to me, it's like abstracting like other um, relationships around class sometimes where it's just like, oh, you've just bought into this like police bullshit because you like happen to know a cop or have one in your family. It's not really like anything more than that. And so part of the way I feel like the cops are are trying to adjust on like the on the liberal end is to you know, be a kinder, gentler and, and just expand like who that includes. Like, so they hire, like they just hire more black people into the, into the cops and like try to show that way that like, yes, we promise this is all one nation. This isn't, this isn't a nation divided by race. It's, you know, um, yeah, sorry. I'm sort of ranting, but <laughs> 
go off. <laughs> to, to me, it's like the, it's indistinguishable, like to, to fly the American flag outside of your house, in particular here in New York City. It means you're pro cop like there's it's 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 pretty much indistinguishable from the thin blue line. And you often see them paired together. Yeah, same here. Here's more you're pro military, not even cop. I had a neighbor back in uh, Austin who thought he was real slick because he was he showed the like the it's a Confederate flag, but it's not the stars and bars. It was like the political flag of the Confederacy. And it looks similar enough to like the original 13 colonies flag of the United States that like piece of shit, dude. (laughs) What? Like, oh, I'm really getting one over with my uh, esoterica. Like, uh, <laughs> right. yeah, it's just like fucking show the Confederate flag, dude. Like you're. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to find your friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be like, oh, cool. You're like into the original uh, colonies. That's neat. Yeah. <laughs> that does provide a certain cover. And like, yeah, and particularly like, yeah, like after 9-11, it's like everybody had flag. Everybody yeah. had. Oh, they had the, the yellow ribbon. The ribbon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I still think it's funny how these things get chosen. Like, yeah, like the color, like the ribbon system that we have. It's like <laughs> we decide to agree that colors mean something. And I don't know, I guess I've been thinking along the lines of what we talk about on Thursday nights, because it's like, oh yeah, you know, discussing colors and having, you know, not only like these relationships to each other, but also these relationships to like, like psychic archetypes and just that it's like, oh, the yellow one, it's for this, but the blue one, it's for that. And like, everybody mm-hmm. agrees. And then to like the basic and of the way that we see things everything becomes coded with these Mm -hmm. cultural and political underpinnings Mm -hmm. and then like and then you know heaven forbid you go somewhere else where they just have this completely other way of seeing color or you know making symbols oh for sure yeah i mean even just things like i'm sure you guys have talked about it but like how you know, green and blue in some languages are basically the same word. So like you wouldn't even necessarily make a distinction between you would think two things are the same color, but now they represent different things. It's true. Yeah. Certain cultures like pulled apart green and blue some like eventually, but at some, at at one point it was the same or similar enough. Right. And at, like at one point, yellow was like the color of mental illness, <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone's like, "No, it's patriotic." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna press. And pause. pink was a man's color. Because yeah. <laughs> it's light red. Yeah, because it's light red, and lots of. <laughs> Languages don't have a word for pink either because it's just light red. We don't have a word for light yellow or light blue or light green, but there's pink. 
Oh, yeah. It's kind of funny. Whoa, I'm the host now. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm probably going to head out um, to eat. Um, oh, word. Very fun. Lots of fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun.